about my week, and you have to listen because I have a mic, so it doesn't matter. You can walk out, I guess. Uh, this week was particularly, and, and we're stuck up here, and this is not going to be one of my cry fests, so don't worry. Uh, but this was. <laughs> I can conjure some up for you. This week was particularly hard for me. You know, I have these moments where I'm trying to work through things, and I feel real small. I feel insignificant, and, and the, the week was progressing that way. And Thursday was particularly hard, and I get news from my brother that um, his wife's leaving him, and he won't be living with his wife and his little boy regularly anymore, and he's hurt by this, and they've had these struggles, and I know he's not walking with Christ. And so Thursday, I just felt like, I, I felt um, defeated, and I've still felt a little defeated. And so I even texted Jace to let you guys know, I was like, so Jake said, play through all the guitar songs so you can get up here because the girls can sing. I, I don't know if I can be up here Sunday morning because I'm not feeling like I should be, like I can be. Um, and uh, the reality is, God says, come to me however you are. Worship me however you are. Not if you're feeling defeated, stay away. <laughs> he takes us and I wrote this. And so this morning I get up here and I, I'm not putting on a face of happy worship leader. I'm putting on the face of somebody who loves God and struggles personally um, with myself and trying to, to understand where God wants me to be. And so the song we're going to sing next was already on there. I mean, it was already on there before I went through this stuff this week, but it's called Come As You Are. And it talks about just like that, uh, just that. And for any of us, I mean, we're in this room this morning, and we talk about this many times. There are struggles in this room, struggles that some of us don't have any clue about, struggles that make it hard for us, some of us, to be able to, to carry on on a daily basis. So the cool thing is that God says, come on in your brokenness, your sadness, your hurt, and come and spend time with me, worship me. Come be here with me, because I'm here for you, and I've given you salvation, and that's what I'm doing here this morning up here. And so that's why I ask you guys to come before God in your brokenness and, and focus on Him uh, as we sing these songs and the offerings when they come around. Father, we just, uh, just want to say sorry for all the things that we chase after that this world has to offer that will come to nothing. Lord, um, we want to pursue you because you pursued us first. Father, I, I just thank you that the only thing that matters in life is that Jesus' blood gives us victory, that Jesus' blood rescues us from eternal punishment, that Jesus' blood covers our sin and washes us white and cleanses us. God, removing our sins as far as the east is from the west. Father, we come as we are this morning. In pursuit of Jesus, because you loved us first and called us. So Lord, thank you that we can pursue as we are, as we struggle. We are free to struggle. We are free to struggle because the 
grace of God covers us in Jesus Christ. So God, we want to pursue Christ. We want to pursue Christ. We want to pursue Christ as true freedom in the midst of life comes from Christ. We love you, God. We thank you that we're here in your presence to worship you, and that puts everything into perspective. Father, we need you. We love you. We give ourselves to you. Notice on the video of the announcements this week. I know you were ex probably excited to see someone other than me, right? Uh, but you will. I'll hunt you down and uh, get you to be on the video. But okay, so last week when Kim did it, it took us about 45 minutes to videotape that, probably. This week it took us five minutes, right? That's not because of Kim, it's because of me. I realized this week that Kim is just a lot more mature than I am because she stood there like this. Videotape it. Great. I stood there like this. <laughs> I was shaking and everything. Making her laugh over and over and over again. So it was a good time. We have a good time doing that. I'll just have Kim videotape from now on. It'll be good. Another thing that happened this week is that I should have taken Vance's advice, but I started working out this week. I know you can tell. Um, but I started working out just two days, Thursday and Friday. But like, I could, I could barely move the last two days. I'm so sore, okay? And as I started thinking about that, like Vance comes into my office on Friday and he's like, haven't you ever heard of starting slowly? Like, and I just went in there. I actually have a bruise right back here from working out too hard, right? I'll let you know how that was. But I thought about that this morning. It's the same thing with the Christian life. Like, we're called to work out our own salvation. So, you make a choice to follow Jesus, and then you got to work out. But if you go too long without working out, like it had been a long time. No exercise for me on a regular basis, at least no exercise on purpose. Um, and so it's the same thing spiritually. If we spend too much time away from the Word of God, if we spend too much time away from spending time in pursuing Christ, when we do it again, it tends to hurt hurt a little bit, right? Because, like, your muscles, they start to atrophy when you haven't used them. I think it takes, I read it takes four days for your muscles to start to break down of non-use. Four days of non-use, right? Same thing. We've got to feed our spirit, because if we don't, when we get back into it, doesn't it hurt a little bit? It's like, man, I needed this so much. First few days, pretty convicting. So we've got to be pursuing Christ all the time. The beautiful thing is His grace covers us when we fail and we just get back up and pursue Him again. All right, so what I want everybody to do, I want everybody to take out their phones. Take out your phones. If you have a smartphone, uh, take it out. If you have a tablet, take it out. Um, what I'm about to, I want to tell you about an app, okay? An app, you can get this on Android or iPhone. Um, you can get it on any kind of tablet. You can get it on your computer, so you can do this. But it's called Periscope. Anybody heard of Periscope? Raise your hands. You've heard of it? Okay, good. So what I want to do is I want to start using Periscope as a church to enhance our Bible study, to enhance discipleship, to enhance teaching and preaching, uh, to enhance just what God is doing here, okay? So here's how it works. Raise your hand if you have a Twitter account. 
Is it, yeah, Twitter, right? Okay. If you don't have a Twitter account, it's okay. But Periscope is owned by Twitter. If you know how Twitter works, you have a handle, which mine is at ReadND. Okay. If you're on Twitter and not following me, you should. Um, at ReadND. And if you follow me, you can see as I post stuff to Twitter, right? Well, Periscope is a live video feed Twitter, essentially. Okay. So what I want you all to do, okay, you can do it right now unless you want to wait until you're at home. Uh, and Wi-Fi, but I want you to at least take note, okay? If you don't have a smartphone, it's okay. Go home and do it on your computer. Write it down. Periscope, all right? Um, you will get that on your phone, and then you will search for, and if you don't have a Twitter account, you can do it anyway. You can log on with your phone number. It's totally secure, and it's free, okay? So what you'll do is you'll get on there, and then you'll search for me, either Nick Reed, and then look for my face, on the picture, or you can just search for at readnd. Okay, so I want all of you to do that, and you can do it right now too, it's fine. Um, and then you will find me and you will follow me. Okay, this is not just me trying to be popular on Periscope, we all actually want to use this, okay? And so you will find me and follow me, and what we'll be able to do is during the week, okay, uh, this is just one of the ways that we can use it. During the week, we can do like midweek devotionals. Okay, live videotaped midweek devotionals based on the message from the, the previous week or to help us get into the message of, of that week or we can live video feed as we're out in life and we see God doing something, we can let you all be a part of that. The cool thing is, so I take my phone, right, I set up the live feed and I start videotaping and then you have to set your notifications on your phone. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? Alright, so all you tech people, you help out all the people that are not techy. But I videotape it and it will notify you on your phone. Nick Reed is live on Periscope, okay, and then you'll get, you'll click it, you'll get into there, and then you will join my live feed, okay? And as you're watching the live feed, you can sit there and comment on what's going on, right? And I can read your comments as it's happening, okay? And then I can Response to those comments on the video. That's awesome. Okay, this is like the glorified FaceTime, Skype, all that stuff, except I just can't see you, so it's a win for me, right? You can see me, I can't see you. But you can say whatever you want. You can say whatever you want about me, but I have a microphone, so I can just say it back to everybody. Thing is, when you when you uh when you say it, everybody sees what you're saying. So you can interact with what's going on there. Um and then you can also, like, if you follow me, I'll follow you, okay? If you follow me, I'll follow you. And then you can also do live video feeds, and everyone who's following you can watch that as well. But the way that we intend to use it is, like, I might use it, Kyle might use it, Tim might use it, one of our elders might use it. They don't know that yet, but this is the first time they've heard about it, but they might use it. Like, Bob, he's pretty techy. He might use it. Or wake up in the morning and he'll periscope. We can watch it, all right? So we want to use it to, uh, to just do stuff like that. So get Periscope. I want to start by asking you a question. Have you ever felt this way? Like, yeah, look at it. Oh, I love it. I already got like 15 people that follow me on Periscope. It's great. Put this over here so I don't get distracted. All right. Have you ever felt like God is leading you to something? However, he's leading you. Maybe it's through scripture. Maybe it's through other people. 
um, confirming something. Maybe it's through, maybe it was through a dream, maybe it's through something. However, God is leading you. But along the way, you've made the poor decision to try to help God out with his plans. I just watched the movie. The, the movie Evan Almighty is a great movie. It's a great movie. Okay, some people think it's sacrilegious, but it's got a lot of uh, great spiritual content in it. Because Evan's standing there, and, he, and God is standing next to him, and God has told him, I want you to build an ark, because there's a flood coming. And so Evan looks at him, and he's like, God, you're ruining all my plans! And God just starts laughing. He just starts laughing at him. He's like, and he's, he's like, why are you laughing? I'm mad right now. And God's like, you said your plans, right? It's like, have you ever felt that way that God is calling you to something, okay? But then you feel like you've got to help God out to accomplish what he has called you to. Like sometimes I, I think that we feel like when God calls us to something, somehow he's not going to carry out that plan. And then we go into the mode of taking things into our own hands. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about allowing God to lead and not us leading God. Allowing God to lead and not us leading God. So write this phrase down right here. Write this phrase down. All right? Or remember it or text it to somebody or text it to yourself, whatever. God doesn't need our help. He uses our obedience. God doesn't need our help. He uses our obedience. Turn to Genesis 16. Genesis chapter 16. We're just continuing on where we've been. Verse 1. Genesis 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram lived, had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur, and said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from? Where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from my, from my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant, you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He will be a wild donkey of a man. That would be depressing. <laughs> he will be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, 
and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over and against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well will be called Beer Lai Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Barad. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. Remember we talked about the word sanctification. Right? Sanctification is the process of us becoming more like Christ. The process of us becoming holy. And we grow in faith, but we also fail. Right? Abram has a very specific journey of faith. With faith, with trust, as he grows in God, but he also has a journey of failing, right? Remember, I, I think sometimes people, including me, we look at people in the Bible and we're like, these guys are heroes, right? Abram, I want to be more like Abram. Or like David, I think David's one of those people. David, I want to be more like David. Because David was called a man after God's own heart. But David also had one of his best friends killed in the front lines of battle because he had committed adultery with his wife and wanted to cover it up and then took her as his own wife. That's messed up, right? Man after God's own heart. Heroes of the faith, these are regular, ordinary people that God chose to use. When God chooses to use somebody who's ordinary, they become extraordinary, not because of themselves, but because we can boast in Jesus. We can boast that we are saved. We can boast that we live in the power of an almighty God, right? It's not about us. It's about what God can do in us. So Abel goes on, and he has faith to leave land, family, his people. He has faith to let Lot choose the best of the land, right? And he trusts that God will provide for him wherever he goes. He trusted God to help him in his victory in the battle when rescuing Lot. His faith in God's provision for him as he gave Melchizedek, king and priest, Melchizedek gave him a tenth of all the spoils of war, and then he gave the rest of the spoils back to the wicked king of Sodom because he completely trusted that God would provide everything that he needed. His faith that God was telling him the truth when he promised him, him descendants and a nation, but along the way he also failed because years before what we just read in Genesis 16, he fails to trust God's provision for land because there was a famine in the land and he, he just failed to trust that God would take care of him. So he fled to Egypt and then he failed to trust that God would carry him through the situation that he found himself in Egypt because he told his wife who was beautiful to say that she was his sister Right? That's just weird. Like, I can't even imagine, like, a sister. It's just weird. It gives me... In Louisiana, you can only marry your sister once. I heard that. Sorry, guys. Lucas. <laughs> Lucas is here. I wasn't counting on them being here, but... I don't know if that's true, but I heard it years ago, and it's funny every time I say it. Arkansas. 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 Okay, sorry. Wrong place. Abram failed number of times. Now in chapter 16, Abram, along with his wife, fails to trust God's provision of descendants through a holy, unsinful way. 
right? So what do they do? They take things into their own hands. But God doesn't need our help. He uses our obedience. Have you ever been caught in this? Like if you have kids, I think you understand this, that one compromise leads to the need for another compromise, for another compromise, for another compromise. I remember this in my childhood, where one lie, right, one lie to my parents. I remember one time specifically, I was not supposed to drink a juice box. It was a cardboard juice box. It wasn't one of those nice pouches you get now. It was a cardboard juice box, and I took it off the shelf, and I drank part of it, and then my mom walks in the house, so I threw it in my sister's garbage, right, in a room. So, Stacy says to my sister, Mom, Dad and Nick drank one of these. I was like, no, I didn't. It's in her garbage. She drank it. And then I just had to keep on lying, right, to cover that up. Well, days later, days later, my dad comes to me, you've been lying. You've been lying. No, I haven't. You've been lying, right? He made, this is nasty, he made me drink this stuff, right? And the cardboard on the inside of the box was falling off like it was, it was soaked. It was falling off and coming up through the straw, and it tasted a little bit fermented. Um, so, I had a great rest of the day, needless to say. I'm kidding. All right, I need to loosen up a little bit. Just go. One lie, one compromise, one step in the wrong direction is always covered up by either you got to tell the truth or you have to compromise again, and then you have to compromise again, and then you have to compromise again. But I also want us to see this, when we compromise, when we fail, when we take a step in the wrong direction, what does God do? He's always right there. Like, God's not the one that runs away from us. We are the ones that run away from God. Right? But he's just right there, drawing us back to himself. He might use other people, he might use his word, he might just wait with arms open us back to himself. But what are some reasons why people get to the point where they feel the need to help God out? Because let me tell you this. When God has a plan for you, and he does, right? Satan loves it when people try to help God out. Because he knows that humanity, that people are not as good at this plan thing as God is. He knows that whatever plans God has for you, God will equip you, and God will provide for you to carry out those plans, but he also knows that if we try to take it into our own hands and help God out, we're just going to screw it up. So he is always going to push us in that direction. And what direction is that? Here's some things that drive us there, to the field felt need to help God out. One is fear. Like, I'm afraid that things just aren't going to work out the way that I think God told me they would. I'm afraid for my finances. I'm afraid for my job. I'm afraid for my family. I'm afraid for my future. Fear. I heard this said one time, that every time you're afraid, you need to trace it back to whatever lie you believe in. Right? Because there is no fear in love. The perfect love of God casts out fear. So fear. Number two, anxiety. We get worried. We get worried, and then we start to panic. Right? And then we take things into our own hands. Mistrust. Simply, we just don't 
trust that God is as good as he says he is. But we don't trust that God will do for us what he said he would do. We just don't trust him. And number four is we have a false view of God and his timing. We think, we really think, that God runs on the same clock we do. Like for me, that's a huge thing. I assume that God runs on the same clock that I do, but what does Scripture say? For God, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. God is not confined by our clocks. God is not confined by the calendar. God is not confined, as we see here, by how old or young you are. We are, but our infinite God is not. Like, that is freeing, that is empowering, that we serve that God. He knows the future, so we don't have to, right? I want to make it a little more personal. The last month has been fairly interesting for Heather and I. It's moved super, super fast. It's somewhat of an announcement. We're not pregnant, but it's somewhat of an announcement, but also it just fits in my life into where this is going. Um, you've heard us say several times that we absolutely love our home in Ankeny, right? The best thing about our home in Ankeny is the neighbors. We have a lot of friendships with the people we live near, and Heather run. She leads an awesome Bible, kids Bible club that our kids actually started. Like, that is awesome for me to see my kids having been excited enough about God to go gather all the neighborhood kids and say, Hey, Mom, we're starting Bible club. You lead. Here we go. Right? It's awesome. But just about a month ago, this is how fast this is moving. Just about a month ago, we felt God maybe moving our cloud. You know, like in the Old Testament where... God led the nation of Israel with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. And the cloud moved, they had to follow it. And so we had to ask the question, like, is God calling us to give all of this up to his care and move us on? Right? Because two years ago, when we moved to Ankeny, Cornerstone Community Church owned the marina, right? Right next door to where Jim works. If you want to know where he works, 60, what is it, like 60, 60? 6080 Beaver Avenue. It's a little plug for your business there. You got broke the car, go to Jim. All right? Um, but that was like four to five minutes from my house in Ankeny. We were implanted right in that community. But now, 25 to 30 minutes away, we are planted Creekside Church in Urbandale, and we're growing, and we've gained a lot of beautiful people from all of that. It's a good thing. And I live in Ankeny. Like that's, a, that's far away for me because I come every day. I just felt really disconnected from that. And then in conversations with Matt and Trista Deaver, we were talking to them about intentional missional living. And we both thought together, I mean, I remember that night, we both kind of looked at each other and said, Should we move to Urbandale? We had to think, would our time and our energy better be used? It's not, it's not giving up something bad for something good. We're giving up something good for something better. Would our time and energy be better used for the kingdom of God if we lived in Urbandale? Because here's the deal, 60-70% of our church lives in Urbandale, Clive, and Johnston in that area. You're not less if you live outside that area, okay? You're not any less important. Um, I'm not telling you that you should do the same thing. But September 14th, we are moving like right across the street 
four minutes away from here uh, to Urbandale. So it's a little, we need your help if you're available. It's a Monday, so we understand if you work, uh, we could use your help. Um, but here's the thing. This is not prescriptive for everyone. I'm not telling everyone you need to Urbandale. It's what God has called us to. And the point for you is that you need to listen to what God is calling you to do, and you need to do it. Right? I don't know exactly what he's calling you to do, but you need to do it. Needless to say, there's been a lot of tears in our home for the last few weeks because our home is Heather's place of ministry to our neighbors and to our kids. You can imagine how she has felt having God asked us to do this. So it's been tough. It's been hard for her. It's been hard for me. We sit together at night, and we have to continually remind each other of truth, right? Because truth when you're struggling, when you're having a hard time with what God is asking you to do, when you're having a hard time with what's going on in life, remind yourself of what you know is true. Okay, so we would just tell each other, this is the mission. This is what God is leading us to. These are the people we need to reach. We need to do this. And so what do we do? We said, all right, God, it's in your hands. We put our house on the market on a Friday. It's sold by Wednesday. And in less than two weeks from the beginning of the process, we had signed papers on a house in Urban. But along the way, this is where it fits in to this story, okay? So along the way, I mean, four days to sell our house, all right? And this the September 14th closing date, I start to freak out a little bit. Like, we got to find a house. If we want all this to work out, we got to find a house. So we would walk into a house, and it could have been the worst house ever, and we, we walk in, and I would immediately start throwing out all the positive things, like just saying, oh, that's nice, we could do that with this, this is good, well, at least this, at least it's not this, at least that, but Heather, she thinks a little more practically than I do, and I remember it got to the point where one time she looked at me, and she says, you need to stop saying all the positive things and live in reality, because what was I doing? I was worried that we wouldn't find a house. I was fearful that our, that our dates wouldn't line up. So I started to try to force God's hand. What I failed to trust was that God already had a house picked out for us. I failed to trust God's timing, and so I tried to take it into my own hands. We talked about that later that night, and every step of the way in this process there's been the temptation to take this process into our own hands because of worry, because of fear, because of all that things. Did I really believe that God had started that process and that he would finish it? Some things that we had to learn through this process that Heather articulated really well for me yesterday was one, that our home had become a place of idolatry for both of us, a place of refuge that we were struggling to let go of. But the truth of the matter is that Jesus is our refuge, and Jesus is our home. So it doesn't matter where he calls us to, we can go, right? But we held on like this, not like this. Number two, the blood of Christ gives us freedom from all forms of idolatry. Kyle, Kyle mentioned this last week, but the, the blood of Jesus gives us victory. That's kind of freaky, kind of freakish. The blood of Christ literally covers us 
and gives us freedom. We are free in victory in all areas of life. So we're not at the point where we can let go, it's going to still be sad, but we can let go of our home in Anki. Right? This has been one of the hardest things we've ever had to do. But you see how those four things led me personally to take things into my own hands, to be tempted by that? Fear, mistrust, anxiety, the wrong view of God's timing and sovereignty. They all always lead us to try to take things into our own hands. All of those things, they are not from the Spirit of God, they are lies from Satan. And I'm not saying this, I'm not saying sit back and be lazy, right? I'm not saying, oh God, your plans will work out no matter what anyway, so I'll just trust that and you sit back and do nothing. No, you do what God calls you to do. But what I am saying is don't compromise. Don't let yourself compromise into sin, don't let yourself compromise into mistrust, don't let yourself compromise when following Jesus. Because we need to trust in God's process of holiness. We need to trust in his process of opening closed doors, of using other people to lead us, of all of those things, and giving us peace. And it goes on and on and on. But here's the thing. I love this about God's plan, and it just reveals his power to us. That usually God sets up his plans for you in such a way that when he accomplishes those plans, there's no other place that the credit could go to God. Because God wants us to look back and say, Whoa! God, there is, I could never have done that. He even wants us to look back and maybe say, God, I wouldn't have done it that way. But your way was better, right? Your way is best. Abram was in a situation like this. God had promised him a child. When he looked at it, he saw it. I'm old. My wife is old. We are well past the childbearing age. But don't be surprised when God waits till the last minute to fulfill his promise to you. I feel like this is true in my life. That in my marriage, every time we've been financially strapped, God waits till the last minute, right, to provide that. You know how it works? Like, I think I need it now. God's like, nope, you need it in two weeks. And then I can always look back and say, God, you were right. Like, I definitely needed it more now than when I thought I needed it. Right? Every time we've moved, I feel like this is true. Every time we've moved three times in this area, it's been the last house that was on the market in our price range that we hadn't looked at yet. The process is hard. You're like, it was only two weeks, Nick. It was two weeks of hard struggle, okay? It was hard. When we've prayed for people, God usually answers those prayers differently than we could have imagined. We look in verse 2 here. What does it say? Sarah said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. That was her first mistake, right? God had promised her a child. And then she says, the Lord promised us a child, but he's the one that's keeping me from having kids, so this must be the only way. Right? 
The Lord prevented me from, from bearing children, so go into my servant and maybe that I will take children from her and name them this in the voice of Sarah. So in that culture, in that day, it was customary for a woman who had a maidservant, if, she, if the woman could not have kids, she could give the maidservant to her husband as a wife and have a child through her. But when that baby was born, the maidservant had to literally give that baby to the woman, and it would not be the maidservant's kid, it would be the woman's kid. Talk about feeling used. Right? How do we think that Hagar felt in these moments? The thing about it was that custom was a custom of the pagan culture that Abram had come from. We see this a lot in scripture that people have multiple wives. And I've heard people ask, like, this isn't like this is in the Bible. People had multiple wives. Was that okay with God? And here's the resounding answer: no. It was not okay with God. Because in Genesis 2, what does he say? A man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. One man, one woman. That was what was okay with God. But in this case, and all throughout the Bible, we see things that people did that were sinful. And they're in the Bible. We can't just read the Bible and say, okay, this person did this as a hero of the faith, so I should be able to do it too. No, sinful things are recorded in the Bible, and I think it's to show how God works with people. How God redeems people. How God works with people's sin, whether it's in grace or whether it's in wrath. We need to understand those things about God. Verse 2, Abram listened to the voice of his wife. Abram listened to the distrust of his wife. He became convinced that yes, if God is going to fulfill this promise to us, it must be through Hagar because my wife is not having any kids. So he failed to trust. But here's what he failed to trust. Number one, nothing is impossible. And then number two, I want you to get this. God will never call you to compromise into sin in order to fulfill his plans for you. You get that? God will never call you to compromise into sin to fulfill his plans for you. God doesn't need our help. He uses our obedience. When we think we need to help God, it always comes from a place of fear or a lack of understanding. At this point in the story, this it backfires on Sarah because when Hagar conceives, she looks on Sarah with contempt because she now had to give this child up to Sarah and she hates her for it, right? Could you imagine how she felt? If you're in the room and you've ever had to give up a kid for adoption, that was probably really hard. And if, you're, if, if you've had kids in the room, you know that moment baby's born. Imagine what Hagar would have felt. Because she knew as soon as this baby's born, it's not mine. So she had contempt for Sarai. She flees because she's angry. And then Sarai blames Abram for listening to her horrible idea in the first place. Hagar is hurting and the angel of the Lord appears to her. Now anytime the angel of the Lord is used in the Bible, Many people believe that that was the pre-incarnate Jesus showing up to her. Right? As Jesus before he came to earth as a baby. And so we know that it was at least God himself. And she 
Uh, verse 13 says, So she called on the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. Truly, here I have seen the one who looks after me. God shows his mercy and his love for Hagar, just a maidservant, not just a nobody. Just a maidservant. But God saw her pain and he gave her mercy. And then she, he makes a promise, that I, and I love this, because Ishmael was a descendant of Abram. So God still said, this baby boy is going to be the father of a nation. It's the Arabic nation that we now know. But that baby boy was not the baby of promise. It was not the child of promise, because in a couple chapters we'll see that Sarai actually does have a baby in her old age, that God fulfilled the promise in a good, unsinful way. God doesn't need our help. He uses our obedience. And the reality is that God, every time that Satan means something for evil, God can turn it around for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And the scripture says that. Right? The story of Joseph, what, what his brothers meant for evil, God meant band's going to come back up. And I want to read just a small part of Galatians to you. Galatians chapter 4 because it just fits perfectly. It's actually about this story. So lead us into a time to remember Jesus. But as the band comes up, Galatians 4 verse 21. Tell me, do you desire to be under the law? Do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abram had two sons. One by a slave woman, one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is her mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren ones who does not bear one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he was born according to the he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. In other words, if the son has set you free, you are free indeed. We are not of the slave woman. Those who are in Christ, we are not of the slave woman. We are not bound by Law, because we could never follow the law, so Jesus saves us from that. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are found in Christ. We are children of promise through Jesus. And we have found true freedom in the grace that only comes with Jesus' death on the cross. And in Jesus' death on the cross, the wrath that should have been on us was completely satisfied in Jesus. That's amazing. 
So now, because the wrath that should have been mine was put on Jesus in its fullness, all of my past, present, and future sins are washed away. And now I can live in true freedom. On the cross, Jesus gave us his righteousness so that God, when God the Father looks at us, he sees us clean because of what Jesus did for us. So we're going to just take a time now to worship, and there's two tables up front, one in the back. If you know Jesus, then come and do this. If you don't know Jesus, I just want to I want to call you to, to recognize that sin separates us from God, right? But we can be free from the penalty of sin in Jesus. And Scripture says today is the day of salvation. I want to say this every week, that today is the day of salvation because you don't need to know more than Jesus died for. So confront that in your life today. And if you haven't been pursuing God in the right way, confront that in your life today. Let's pray. God, thank you that we have freedom in you. Thank you that when you plan stuff for our lives, God, you have the means and you have the power and you have the sovereignty and you have the ability to carry out those promises in our lives, God. I pray that we wouldn't take things into our own hands, but that we would trust you that we do not listen to the lies of Satan, that we trust you. God, we come to you as free in the blood of Jesus as we remember him through the bread and the juice. Thank you for giving us these things so that we can often come and be called to remember what Jesus has done for us because it all begins there and continues from there. So God, we trust you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Spirit in that 